Welcome to Risk Roundup. As cloud computing shapes the digital global age, we the humans now have the ability to imagine, innovate, and create a whole new world of possibilities and a way of doing things that was beyond our imagination so far. There seems to be a strong indication that cloud computing extends the range of human imagination and exploration that is beyond the instinctive and investigative processing capability of the human brain. As a result, it is seen by many as the innovation that would bring next wave of fundamental transformation for nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA. Now, while it is getting embraced for the potential benefits it could provide in speed, efficiency, flexibility, accessibility, and affordability, Cloud computing is not just about benefiting industries. It greatly benefits governments, organizations, academia, as well as even individuals. In short, entire nations, irrespective of their geographical location. Cloud computing is fundamentally shaping and enabling a deeper understanding of everything from the behavior of any single individual or collective nations and all its components, that is, its government, industries, organizations, academia, and individuals, to projecting complex economic and societal outcomes. As a result, cloud computing-driven insights are now providing direct benefits to the daily lives of individuals and entities across NGIOA through advances in pretty much everything. Cloud computing not only has the potential to accelerate ideas, innovations, and transformation in cyberspace, but also makes it possible to encourage and enhance collaboration and cooperation within, between, and across NGIOA in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short referred to as CGS. It has the potential to bring fundamental transformation and is on its way to changing the way entities across NGIOA drive value from the digital global age. The ability to collect and evaluate data from numerous sources in cyberspace creates a potential for cloud computing to generate breakthroughs in many fields from data analysis to industry analysis, from weather forecasting to security threat forecasting, and so much more. So basically, cloud computing is furthering the markets and economies as we speak. It is growing rapidly, and the growth is not only happening in advanced geographical nations and regions, but is expected across all nations and regions. Now, while cloud computing brings disruptive potential and possibilities for each individual and entities across NGIOA, it also brings critical security risk that needs to be identified, evaluated, understood, and managed. To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Philip Abraham. Philip is the founder, chairman, and chief technology officer at Cloudface Labs and Cloudface LLC Healthcare. Welcome, Philip. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you for having me here today. Wonderful, Philip. So the possibility, potential, and reach of cloud computing combined with the wealth of data it enables is nothing short of remarkable. What promise do you see of the cloud computing capabilities today and in the coming tomorrow? Well, I agree with your assessment. It's almost phenomenal, the upside. The, the upside is so significant. And for example, I, and when you combine um, not only business transformation upside, but the reintegration of new and innovative cybersecurity and security protective tools is extremely significant. And in my particular world, where we're looking at the seven layer stack of the OSI stack, and we're taking all the business practices that are done in layers three through seven, and in my box that I created, we found a way to move everything through layer two, which means all of the business done today isn't in layer two, will have to be migrated to layer two for a phenomenal explosion of activity to drive cost out, improve efficiencies, and bring full transparency all in an extremely secure manner. Even Michael Dell, I heard say on CNBC 
about six months ago, that the reason he spent $67 billion to buy EMC, the big storage server company, was he believes layers three through seven are going to disappear. And everyone's going to have to find a way to go to layer two. And that's why he put a $70 billion bet on it. Now, in my case, my thesis paper in grad school was on layer two. And my box was designed to connect all disparate systems anytime, anywhere for a speedy and smooth transition to a cloud environment that's fully transparent. It's a big upside. Yes, yes. So it seems for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners, would you mind sharing what are the layers that you're talking about from layer one to layer seven? Yes. The, um, and you can go on like Google Images and uh, Google the um, image for the seven layers of the OSI stack. And generally speaking, the way I always try to communicate this to people is layer one is your power source. Where are you plugging in your laptop? Uh, layer seven is presentation. So if you want to go to like dominospizza.com and you see the picture of the pizza, that's layer seven coming at you. Three through six are where software, software applications, and all that sit. That leaves layer two. Now, right now, today, layer two primarily is where your Cisco routers are sitting. So if somebody at layer six wants to find out, you know, where does Phil Abraham live? They would write on a piece of paper, where does Phil live? Hand it down to somebody in layer two, and they run up and down layer two. And they go, oh, Phil lives in Michigan. They hand it back up to six. They get it ready for presentation layer seven. And that's how the system works. So the business world is locked in these layers three through seven, which are very costly and bureaucratic in nature and require a lot of mediocre off-the-shelf software, like the Oracles and SAPs of the world really aren't bringing that robust value. You, so how do you improve things? Well, in order to improve, you got to get around three through seven and make two function properly. So that's kind of my little short. I see, I see. No, that's a yeah. great background on that. Now, there are some who say that just as the industrial revolution relieved much of the humanity of physical labor, Data analytics and cloud computing promises to free the human potential from its finite individual capabilities and move towards collective societal potential because cloud allows that. Do you see that happening? And again, restate that question again. There are some who say that just as the industrial revolution relieved much of humanity of physical labor because of the machines that, you know, that came to the rescue. Yes. Data analytics and cloud computing promise to free the human potential from its finite individual capabilities and move towards collective societal potential because we don't have to now stay focused only within our individual capabilities. Cloud allows everyone to you know, have that collective capability. So do you see that happening? Oh, I see it, yes. And I'll tell you, another example of that is you can see fifth graders using their cell phone talking to Siri. They'll say, hey Siri, when was George Washington born? Or hey Siri, how, what is 12 divided by two? Or Siri, what's the longitude and latitude from London, England so I can play my Pokemon Go game? Because in Pokemon Go, the kids might be in Michigan, but they can win a prize if they get to London, England. But they have to punch in the longitude and latitude. And Siri, on a collective basis is managing all these people around the world playing Pokemon Go is an example of the collectiveness decision making. Yes, yes. Now it also seems that the, with the arrival of cloud computing, much more complex problems can be tackled in a very meaningful way as cloud computing yes. is a revolution in computing architecture. It transformed not only 
the where the computing is going to happen but also how the computing is going to happen so what big problems facing nations its government industries organizations and academia and even the entire human society are being addressed currently based on the potential of cloud computing or in other words what are some what big problems can be addressed now in a new manner okay yeah I mean, there's so many. I, I spend all day thinking about that question. There's so many. Like on one end, how can we improve patient outcomes at all of our hospitals in the country? Or how can we manage people's banking needs, utilities, water, resources around the world? How can we balance those resources in a more effective way? Um, how can we educate and teach children and adults in a more effective way? How can we move away from traditional brick and mortar buildings on university campuses to change the way people are processing information? I mean, the, I think the shift is every bit as significant as when Henry Ford created the manufacturing auto, auto assembly line at Ford Motor. Yes. It's the same shift coming at us now. Yes, very significant. Very Yes, very yeah. significant, and it's uh, everything is at play. There is a new way to do things, and uh, each and every industry, each and every component of a nation is going to be impacted as the, you know the innovators come up with new ideas. Now there is a growing acknowledgement that cloud, with a new wave of commoditization, is on its way to disrupt the information technology industry itself. How, how do you see that happening that in, in IT industry is impacted because of the you know cloud computing and clouds and how do you envision the IT industry in the coming years well, I can now now you're in my area that I'm working on for example um, my box was created to eliminate software and to eliminate IT departments and IT organizations and then furthermore we can pull when we pull software and technology into our box, we pull all the process, practices, and procedures associated to each software, which means we actually pull the decision-making for an entire company into our box by way of layer two. And at the end of the day, we demonstrate that there really isn't a need for technology anymore in a company because the box, and it's infinite wisdom now, and it's ability to make software do things it wasn't originally designed to do, renders IT departments obsolete. And off-the-shelf software obsolete. So like Oracle and SAP, as a software for sale, revenue generating, is completely obsolete right now. It's just that uh, the market hasn't caught up to where I'm at. I see, I see. It's, that obsolete. it's gonna be rendered obsolete. That is a pretty significant uh, uh -huh. change that's coming, you know, to IT industry. How are they dealing with this? Are they anticipating? Are they preparing themselves for the imminent uh, uh, paradigm shift? Well, I've been watching this closely, and my gut tells me that somebody way up at the top of SAP or Oracle or IBM has to be following this closely. At the other yes. end of the other end of the equation. They really aren't there yet in their brain. They don't want to accept it. Too much money is being produced and made doing it the current way. However, if you look at IBM and they've had declining revenues for like 35 quarters in a row, and the only area at IBM that's doing anything is their Watson area, their IBM Watson. Anything that has to do with off-the-shelf software People are pushing back. They're saying, we're not sure we need this anymore. And what people don't understand, a company can have Siri answer 95% of their questions and manage these things. So IBM and them are seeing it in their quarterly results. Oracle and SAP are trying to buy other technology companies to stay relevant. But I'm having more CFOs say to me Bill, I don't want to fund my IT department anymore. Yes, yes. How, how do I replace that? That is true. That is a very significant uh, 
shift that is coming you know and uh, it will disrupt the entire it industry it's going to have a huge impact uh, on many nations who depend on their it industry the way it is uh, you know functioning currently and history also shows that computing power was a scarce and expensive resource so far because you know right. of the amount of individuals or human resources it would take and the softwares were so expensive hardware was expensive now with the advent of cloud computing it is becoming abundant and cheap this is also going to have a very significant uh, paradigm shift because it will bring a transformation from computing of scarcity to the computing of abundance and this revolution in computing is accelerating the commoditization of products and services and business models and governance models management models and it is disrupting the existing information and communication technology you know completely and overall across nations but it's it's going to be a slow transformation it's not like you know overnight is going to disappear but that change is coming and it is a significant change and what what do you see the impact how do you see the impact to the nations that depend entirely on their it industry like india india you know the outsourcing there are so many countries that depend on that outsourcing and outsourcing models and this is going to impact those models too yes significantly i um i think about india in that sense because they've enjoyed a significant steady climb of business all these years but and there'll still be some innovative new products that'll help india grow on the short term but at the end of the day things will are being streamlined at such a rapid pace that that outsourcing idea is going to be obsolete and it, it, it's been productive it's ran a good course for 30 years, but it's, there's a significant change now. And so the nations there are going to have to find new markets to go into. To so transfer those smart people to. Yes. Yes. So it they seems. Sit, yeah. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead. Finish it, please. I was just going to say, they can't sit there and just think that all the developed nations are going to continue to outsource their back office because there's not going to be a need for back office because the IPs are going away, IT departments are going away and things like my little box, I can move a whole hospital system into my box. I could move all of General Motors into my box. Right now here in Michigan, they have 13,000 people in their IT department just at General Motors Detroit, Michigan. All that could be moved into my box let alone what they're outsourcing on the backside. So right. if I ever get an opportunity to present promoters and I say, you know, you could continue to spend $15 billion to fund your IT department, or you could spend $5 million and have my box. Which route do you want to go? So see the law of large numbers is going to convince them to change. Yes. Yes. Now, from your assessment and observation, which organizations offer global scale cloud infrastructure at the moment? I mean, you, you are talking about it, but which other organizations are offering that infrastructure? Because it's not just about software and hard, I mean, but hardware, because uh, these cloud organizations that are going in a major global way, they also need to provide uh, that infrastructure. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. Like, for example, I was watching Cisco because Cisco has global products. But I was on the phone with Cisco and they said, Phil, we're controlling everything in layer two, but we don't get to play in layers three through seven. How can we offer the global community our products and grab more real estate, get out of layer two? And I told them, you don't want to get out of layer two you want to bring more of three to seven into your layer two. Bring everyone to your area and expand that way. And so as Cisco gets their brain around, how do they remarket their products to do other things? Like, for example, could the Cisco router 
be a supply chain and logistics company? Well, my answer to them was yes, because you have all the data in your routers anyways. You just have to be able to find a way, which I can show you, how to also be a supply chain and logistics company. So another way of looking at this is global supply chain and logistics companies could be displaced by a Cisco router. Yes, yes, that is and true. Not, yeah. Yes, that is true. Also, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they are also working aggressively in this uh, yes. market, right? I mean, they are trying yes. to provide truly global scale cloud infrastructure and uh, they're, you know, each of them, are, I think, are they were requiring numerous data centers that are costing billions of dollars. So. It, it's going to be a major shift, uh, you know, shift that's coming our way. Now, is it fair to say that cloud computing will transform the world as we know it? Yes. 100%. Yes. yes. Because the powers to be can, can make significant and complex decisions that would normally take one, two, or three years and hours or days. Yes. Yes. And Policy also can be... Yes, and also I think the beyond contributing to economic growth, uh, cloud computing also accelerates the pace of discovery and innovation in nearly all fields. So there is an opportunity for all industries, each business is to come up with new ways of doing things, new way, way ideas and innovations that will open new windows into phenomena as vast as the universe. It's the sky is the limit and uh, as small, I mean, they have so many opportunities. So for computing provides solutions to some of society's most pressing challenges from improving human health to, you know, mitigating natural disasters to solving all the, you know, other critical uh, problems that nations are facing uh, by not having enough resources and all that. So. There is a lot of opportunity here for each and every industry, each and every nation. They just need to figure out where they want to fit in. Now, the fact that right. cloud computing involves the accumulation and integration of computing power with confidential and proprietary information also gives us a cause of great concern because cloud security comes into play. It's not like, you know, because we have this new way of doing things that each and every organization, each and every entity across NGIO is going to just, you know, feel comfortable and uh, start using that. There is a major, you know, security challenge, you know, here. So do you think the cloud is secured at this point? No, well, I have two answers to that. Most people try to say that the cloud is less secure. Actually, the cloud is significantly more secure than what we have today out there. The NSA, National Security Agency, put in writing that my box, the way it was designed, is the most secure and non-hack, you can't hack my tool, than anything they've ever seen. And they told me that all known software is less than 5% secure, including security software. They said my box is north of 95% secure. So currently today, there's virtually no security out there. And that's why you're seeing hospitals being hacked, companies like Kmart or Target being hacked, and Walmart, and everyone's being hacked. Why is it every day you open paper, everyone's being hacked? Because there's no security today. However, with that said, if companies can migrate to the cloud in new and unique ways, they can become very secure. But right now, the feeling is that this cloud is not secured and that it's, is right. probably a big obstacle for it to be embraced or accepted. Well, it's uh, worse globally. than that. Yes, yeah, that it's, is. It's really worse than that because if you have a company that distributes Band-Aids to a hospital and then they send electronic invoice, the hacker attaches at the distributor level of the Band-Aids to the electronic invoice that gets sent to the hospital for payment, and now the hacker's inside the hospital. Or the hackers can come in through those new electronic thermostats, or the hackers can come in through the MRI machines in the hospitals. And so the, the upside for profitable new companies is to find ways to keep the MRI machines from being a pathway in 
or hackers or thermostats. Uh, so there's all these, all current practices today are an open door for hackers to come in. So exactly. it's much, it's way worse than people think. Way worse. But and then yep. the cause of concern is that you know all this data is in one place in the cloud. I mean, it's right now in the current environment, hackers have to go to so many different you know in entities to be able to get all that data. So many different facilities now because of the cloud, all the data would be in one place. So they have to hack only one time, and they will be able to get all the access to the data, and that. But, you know, brings critical security risk. So there is a serious cause of concern here. Well, there's a, there's another side to that. So to your point, today, a hacker has to come in through many different ways versus just one way, right? But it's too costly for companies to block all those many ways. So they cannot prevent security. They can't make things more secure in your analogy that there's many ways they can come in versus one because people can't spend the money to block all those many ways. If you have everything in one place, you can then spend money to secure the one place better and make that infinitely more secure, making it infinitely harder for them to hack in. That, that is a necessity. We have to work towards that. Now, the ability of any entity across NGIWA to tap into the power of computing, computer applications or computer software via the cloud and thus free themselves from the task like designing, building, managing and securing their own application or software and technology infrastructure seems potentially powerful because you know individual entities won't have to spend all those resources into designing building and you know managing uh, the applications or software or technology infrastructure so there is a growing optimism that cloud computing will benefit not only entities across ngia but entire nations and its economies what impact will it have on the digital global age well, on one hand, it will eliminate the need for individual IT departments within all these organizations. They won't need to have IT departments. So there'll be a shift. Currently, all the or IT organization and the money spent there and the staffing spent there will disappear. There will then be a shifting of those dollars to this global collective technology office, which then leads us to... How do you interact with that global office? How do you get your unique tools built and managed from that global one source? And so it it's now takes us to like the Henry Ford motor example. We are now embarking on a new discussion and way of interacting with technology if you own a business. Like right now you go down the hallway and you say to your chief information officer, I need to talk to you about all this IT stuff. In the future, that department will be gone. And I mean maybe as soon as two years. Not 20 years, but maybe two years. And so where would that CFO go to get answers on technology if he doesn't have a technology department? And for that matter, will technology in two years be to a point that they can do much of the work the CFO's doing? The answer to that is yes. Yes. So there is going so that, to be, a, you expect a significant amount of layoffs because of this, you know, shift uh, that we are anticipating. Or a significant um, labor transformation. So, you know, a long time ago, like auto workers had to go back and get new training as they were being laid off here in Detroit. So they had to go back to school. Well, now maybe... Financial people and technology people are going to have to be retrained or get laid off. Yes, yes. So it seems so. From your assessment, where which sectors and economy? I mean, you we talked about IT that is going to be impacted, but other than that, what sectors of the economy is expected to have the greatest impact because of this cloud computing? I think all, of course, all industries, but certainly all 
industries that have high cost structure, automotive, retail, um, hospitals, you know, any of these places where they have uh, lots of software systems, a lot of IT departments, a lot of help desk, a lot of um, accounting departments, a lot, all that, there's really not a need for that. The only thing that's holding it up right now for a couple of years is little startups like mine are trying to work and develop ways to make it easy now to do it. Once those path, easy pathways are built, the transition will happen really quickly. Corporate America won't even think twice. Once they know they can save you know, $15 billion by going down a different pathway, they'll make that decision real quick. That is true, that is true. Now, beyond its impact on entities across NGIOA, cloud computing is also expected to have a potentially significant impact on the pace of economic development itself in both developed and developing nations because of the you know, new ideas, new innovations that will you know, uh, emerge because of the capability that cloud computing provides. However, progress and development requires preparedness on part of not only overall nations, but each of its individual component, their you know, businesses, their entities, their departments, even if you talk about IT department itself, I mean, if they don't prepare themselves for the imminent change that's coming their way, they would be obsolete. So they will have to figure out how they you know, prepare themselves for this new way of doing things. So from your assessment, do you think the nations are prepared for this imminent shift no, or have they started thinking not. about it? No, uh, they're not. I did have two chief information officers in the last year call me and tell me, because I did my thesis paper on running companies without software in grad school. Now, years later, I had two chief information officers call me in the last year that said, Phil, you're the only person we can find that has any background in this. We've been advised, they were advised by their CFO that they have to eliminate their organization. So two CIOs actually called me up. I haven't gotten any traction with them yet, but they called me on the phone and said, Phil, I'm being advised, I got to make my organization go away. A big health system. So it's starting to get out there now. Because they're calling me. That is significant. That is significant. Very significant. Now I would like to speed it up so I can get them as clients and all that. But the fact that they pick up the phone and called me is significant. Yes. Yes. So it seems. Now what basic infrastructure is necessary for any nation or any industry to benefit or any entity across any industry to benefit from cloud computing? What do they require? No, that's such a good question. Um, because since there isn't a lot of known pathways yet, who do you spend money on to get you there? So right now the big prestigious consulting firms like McKinsey will get a lot of that work but they'll only do consulting stuff, dialogue, white papers, this kind of thing. They're going to have to move to the next layer where they start to engage companies. And that's where the, to answer your question, what company do they engage and what is it they're gonna buy from those companies? I personally believe it's companies that can connect all disparate systems, like what I specialize in in a way to make it easy for companies to get at all the data they need to get at to make decisions. So they're gonna to have to engage policy makers, they're gonna to have to engage consultants, and then once they figure out what they need to do, they're gonna to have to start looking at who out there can provide them the services. And at that time, I think you're gonna see CISO showing up, Google showing up, and these sorts. Because Google has to be able to provide a solution for this. Yes. Because if they can't, they could go away. Yes. So it seems you know, nobody is uh, obsolete. You know, we have to all create new ways of doing things. Now, cloud technology 
is already impacting the world of individuals or citizens or clients, consumers, everywhere across nations. It seems many of the daily services we use now runs on the cloud already. We, and it can incorporate analytics technology to tailor them to each individual's or citizen's or consumer's preference. Can you share how cloud computing is changing this very fundamental fact? Can you give some examples that yes. you know, we already yeah. see? Yes, for example, everything's out at the cloud today, but everyone still relied on off-the-shelf software. So you've got a hybrid, off-the-shelf software interacting with cloud. We really haven't gone to a full cloud proposal. We've just been supporting traditional software sales with some cloud work. So we really haven't even got embarked on the cloud yet. Now, for example, I know this lady that has a company. She was president of SAP North America. Her name's Geraldine McBride. And she left and created a company. I think it's called My Wave. Kind of do is build unique cloud tailored for each person, not for a company. So where I'm trying to create a box to move the cloud into my box and do things there, she is trying to point the cloud to each person. So instead of selling an ERP tool for a whole company, she's trying to point the cloud at each person so that each person has their own cloud established as an ERP tool. So for example, if you were to go to a hospital to get your broken ankle fixed, instead of all the information from the company that makes band-aids and the nurses, doctors, and everything, patient billing, going to the hospital's ERP system, and all that billing and all that there, they want to redirect it to the person and skip the hospital. So connect the company to the person. That so is very example. interesting. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what stage the development is? I think she's up and running now, actually. I see. And you can, if you remember her name, Geraldine McBride. And she was president of North America SAP. I would love to ago. have her on this ground. That seems very interesting because, you know. And I can, I can email you her stuff later. Okay, that would be great because it's not just the you know enterprises that are that in, that information is so valuable when it gets on the cloud, but each and every individual, when that information gets on cloud, look, I mean, imagine the wealth of information that we will be able to get. What we will be able to anticipate, predict that you know would be necessary to make necessary change. It is amazing the transformation possibilities well, there. Yeah, and it makes sense what she's working on. Because, you know, right now, again, uh, using a hospital, for example, a person goes in a hospital, but they're held hostage to the information. They'll only get information when the hospital decides to send it to them. Yes. And it's delivered in a way, only one way. And the person has no say in and can't audit it, has no idea. So they're just, here's your information, whether you like it or not. Here's your bill. What that lady's trying to do is shift the flow of information away from, in this case, the hospital and send it to the person since the person's paying the bill. That would and be that have And it'll have significant change because the hospital can't play games with pricing. Yes. And nor can the insurance companies because it'll be fully transparent in the eyes of the patient. I like that. That is so necessary because right now we are just in the dark. Each individual is in the dark. Someone else is making decisions for for them. So this is uh, very fundamental. Very significant. Yes. Very significant. Now it seems that cloud technology has begun to transform life of citizens and civic life. If you look across nations, by making very basic services like you know municipal water systems or city permits or you know uh, many other decisions uh, that help cities react in real time to problems you know of any nature so it seems that the cloud is helping cities i mean uh, that means local governments 
at any level, city level or you know state level, to run more efficiently and bring about a much needed change. How do you see cloud computing shaping digital governments? Well, one way is um, we'll continue to see improvements there so that these governments can run better and manage better. But one of the next phases we're not seeing is governments and cities that are financially strapped should become more profitable because they, they should get to the point to where they can manage with significantly less bureaucracy and infrastructure. So they should become more profitable. Yes. So in other words, what are they going to do then? What more services can they offer their communities? What can they do in the positive? Yes. Yes. And there are also some who say that the rise of the cloud comes at a very good time because there are so many go at local levels or state levels or, you know, even federal government level. There are so many governments that are, you know, budget conscious right now and they're budget constrained. They don't have enough money to spend on a lot of resources. So rather than pouring their own resources into new data centers, new entities across NGIA, they can turn to pay-as-you-go cloud services as an efficient, effective way of consolidating data and programs from different initiatives, industries, nations, and world. Because, you know, the governments sometimes cannot afford to make the necessary changes in their infrastructure. IT infrastructure that frequently, it has to go through process which is very slow and right. bureaucratic. So, this is going to fundamentally help them, you know, not only cut costs, but make their, you know, way of functioning, the governments, more efficient and effective. And this is a fundamental right. transformation, right? Right, and that goes back to what I was saying. On one end, technology will become obsolete, but then there'll be a transformation because governments and economies will have a surplus of money now because they'll be able to run more efficiently. So they're going to need to spend that on money so hopefully people can retrain themselves and be trained for the areas that these governments can spend this money on that they found. So they found a surplus of money, they're going to spend it now. So the big homework assignment is what will be spent, what will this money be spent on? So they'll see a surplus now instead of a debt. They'll have more money, they want to offer more services, it'll require new skill sets, new policymakers, new ways of thinking. So hopefully as those technology people are obsolete, they retrain themselves and still yes. have lucrative business opportunities. Yes, that is true. Now, while everyone has heard of the cloud, I mean, this is becoming a very common term now, not everyone clearly understands it, nor do they understand how best to take advantage of its benefits. And you see that not only at the individual level, but also at the you know, industry level, there are a lot of you know, entities across industries who quite don't understand you know, how to get benefit from that. So what would you say to our global viewers and listeners as to how to benefit from the cloud? Well, I would say right now, it's very hard to benefit from the cloud because most people are not um, trained into what to look for as a benefit from this. They don't know because they're, they're in the old way of doing things. So there's new opportunities. The challenge is getting people to understand what should they, how should they benefit? Which could be a new growth opportunity for people, just to show people what to look for. So I don't even think people understand what to look for right now, so that they can benefit. Right, right. Now, I know, go ahead. Yes, go ahead, please. No, I was just gonna say, I know, but I'm in a unique spot. I spend my whole life developing tools for that post-transformation. Yes. So I know what to look for. But the average person out there that I've surveyed, they don't know what to look for. Yes, yes, that is true. So maybe this is an opening for some new business, you yes. know, ideas or initiatives where yes. they can uh, do consulting work and help yes. uh, entities across industries to understand what they should look for. So that is, yes. a, that is a good opening for, you know, anyone who wants to do that. Now, what are the different service models 
technologies and infrastructure options available for cloud across nations? Is it the same kind of across nation or what are the different models that you see? I mean, are we going to do business differently if we're going from one nation to another nation versus yeah, in the cloud. inside yes. one nation? Yes, across nations, many different nations. Well, that goes back to um, where I was thinking about using Cisco, for example. They're already across nations. The Cisco routers are everywhere. So they're uniquely positioned to take advantage of from one nation to another nation doing work as this expands. Others are confined to their one nation. Google isn't, but um, you're actually kind of seeing this take shape because you have Amazon doing kind of cloud-based retail and displacing retailers. But over in China, they have their own Amazon-type company that's trying to own that cross-nation retail. So you're starting to see Amazon and a couple of their competitors. Walmart's global today, but in the brick-and-mortar sense. Walmart's now wants to be a cloud retailer in all those different countries. So I don't think it's played out yet. But there are also different models out there. I was reading somewhere that now you see infrastructure as a service or software as a service or a platform as a service or integration platform as a service. So it is shaping up. They are emerging all these cloud-based service models, right? Yes, but I don't think that's going to be the end result. But yes, you're right. Those software as a system and um, all the different SaaS models are trying to migrate into the new model, but I don't think those are going to be the end game. I think there's going to be a new model. I'm working on a new model myself. I'm not sure if my model is going to win the day. I hope I'm not wasting my time. But uh, I look at the current models, and I'm not sure they're really ready to make the transition themselves. So some work has to be done there. So you, you think that those the models, they are uh, not effective, people are not buying right. into that model, and yeah, that's well, why I you think, see a need? I, yeah, I see a need because I think those models are great, but I don't think they were technically designed for a full cloud transformation that you and I are talking about. I think they were designed assuming people will buy off-the-shelf software. I see. So if you make off-the-shelf software go away, will that model still stand up? So those models are outdated. It's so it, it seems that those Possibly models outdated. are outdated. outdated. So the question is, but it's, yes, yeah, so the question really is, yes, they're outdated, but can they be modified or not? Right? So, like, cars are outdated, but then they get modified, and then they're, they're cool again. So the yeah. question becomes, so we still have cars. But the question is, these software models are, in fact, outdated. Will they be modified to survive this next transition? Right, right, right. No, that, that's a fair point, you know, and then we'll wait and see how this shapes up. Yeah. Now, despite the promising growth of cloud computing across nations, there are serious challenges that remain. There's many, many security risks and other policy risks that remain. So chief, I, one of that is the data sovereignty laws in different nations. Each nation has their own laws of how you know their nation's data uh, you know, gets treated or gets uh, managed or regulated. So this is, I think, uh, restricting the flow of data across borders. So we will probably never see you know, the global database of any you know, industry or any, even the overall nations because of the you know, laws that are out there, policies that are out there. Do you, what impact do you see because of it? Because there are a lot of organizations who are trying to um, create a cloud that is global and so that they can, there is a better way of doing things. There are new ideas, new way of managing a lot of current problems. We can do it in an effective way, but because of these you know, laws in different nations, we may not be able to do it that way. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you're right. So you have um, kind of these um, 
uh, let's say, these doors that won't open as you go from one country to another, keeping data trapped under the policies of a different nation. So instead of having one global network of information, you have these kind of uh, separate but big global buckets of nations, like maybe all of Europe or North America or Asia. But in the case of what I do at CloudFace, is I design my box to connect to all disparate systems. So now the question is, how can data that's controlled by an, another country and their policies be connected so it's disparate? So how do we connect that disparate system back over? And if we are able to connect that disparate system, then we won't be prevented from having a global database. So I really believe you will be able to um, circumvent that. I see. Because for example, if you use healthcare, for example, you have big companies in the United States, but they have subsidiary companies in Ireland or Germany. And they have a challenge. Germany might not want their data in the same bucket as the data here in the United States, but that organization, that company, needs to have access to that data. So there's going to have to be a way to bring that data together as long as you have companies that have subsidiaries all around the world, as an example. And Google's a global company. Yes, yes. So they're going to be big, powerful. Microsoft, Google, and others are going to find ways to bring that data through those walls. It's going to happen for sure. Might not be as quick as I want it to be, but it's going to happen. My opinion. It may take time, but it may. You're right. I mean, let's hope that it happens so that we have more capabilities because of that. You know, global databases. Now, cloud computing enables higher level of innovation and discoveries by dismantling data silos and providing greater capabilities in data mining and data analytics. What potential does this have for any NGIO, any single nation, and, or you know, all nations and possibilities? Significant. Significant. Because if you could connect to spirit systems, you now will have access to data analytics that are extremely more robust and accurate. Currently, governments have to rely on data and data analytics that are nowhere near robust because they can't gather data from disparate systems. So if a country can in fact get data from disparate systems into their analytics and dashboards, they can make quicker decisions that are much more effective and drive more cost out and then hopefully offer better services, becoming much more efficient. Yes. Yes. Now, it seems that lack of standards is also a growing concern as far as the cloud computing capabilities goes. There is a need for IT industry, it seems, to collaborate to develop common standards or guidelines for data sharing, data usage, and demonstrate the cost value of cloud and how it will evolve. Is there any effort towards developing such standards? Well, you know, I see that a lot. I see these, I read about other organizations creating standards. And what I see right now is really the reason um, standards have been not as successful as they want is they become political in nature. And so somebody wants only their standards in place. So that forces somebody else to say, well, we'd rather have our standards in place. So somebody needs to, I think what will happen is as the cloud, as more disparate systems come into play, you're going to eliminate the need for a lot of these standards, just like the need for off-the-shelf software is going to go away. And then there'll be a, a better chance of agreement on what standards should be. So I think you're going to, yeah, that could be very significant too. Right, right, right. Now, what are the barriers from your perspective to the success of cloud computing, there are a lot of initiatives going on as we have been talking about. A lot of organizations are working towards it. And there are a lot, there's a lot of promise, a lot of potential about you know where this could lead us. 
but from your perspective and assessment, what do you think would probably not allow that to happen or that it would hold back the, you know, positive transformation that we all are looking forward to? Well, currently what's holding it back is, you know, typical greed and business, you know, people want to guard those revenue streams. So in one hand, they want to keep selling uh, mediocre off the shelf software. They don't, they want to hold, prevent innovation and change. And uh, so you have large corporations that don't want change because it'll hurt their bottom line. So there's a business component to this. There's a standards component. People don't want to move forward because they don't want their standards to be eliminated or they want their standards to win the day. So you have a lot of this, you know, business 101. Um, I don't want to change because it's going to affect my company. But unfortunately for those people, not only is change coming, but it's, going to, it's coming at such a rapid pace. I mean, I'm seeing it every day in the world I live in. Yes. And actually, it's changing faster than the policymakers can make policy. Yes. So it seems. So it seems. Now, it seems that your organization is involved in cloud computing too. Would you like yeah. to share information about your organization and initiatives that you are working on currently for the benefit of our global viewers and listeners? Yes. Um, the, uh, you know, basically, I've spent my life looking at how can I unbundle complex organizations to drive significant cost out of businesses. And that led me to looking at why is it that technology prevents costs from being driven out of businesses? So then I had to look at what software is driving technology to prevent us from driving costs out. So then what I did in my work is I have found a way to get software to behave in ways it wasn't originally designed, create algorithms to any disparate system in hours or days, not months and years, and provide management with analytics that can create policy, drive change in business, and drive cost out, improve patient outcomes, improve the customer experience, eliminate the need for IT departments, and do it in a very insane, secure manner, utilizing layer two. So we're currently at my company focused on the U.S. healthcare system from end to end, from manufacturer all the way to the patient to drive cost out. And so that's what we're doing at my company at CloudFace, cloudfaceusa.com. Great. Thank you for sharing that information, Phil. And thank you for participating in Risk Roundup um, and uh, sharing your insight, your observations, and your knowledge about where the cloud computing is going and what benefits you know we would see in the coming months and years. So I'm sure our global viewers and listeners are going to benefit tremendously from what you had to say today. So thank you, Phil. And thank you for having me. So individuals and entities across NGIA are living in a very exciting period of transformation. Nations have reached a tipping point where the impact of data, the cloud, and high-performance computing are no longer reserved for just you know, some very selected technology elite or you know, selected enterprises and companies and nations. They are now transforming virtually all entities across NGIOA nations, economies, socioeconomic conditions, social infrastructure, and society overall. Now, many entities across NGIOA are already seizing opportunities around the cloud and cloud computing to create innovative new services and governance, management, business, and technology models that decrease the time to market or create operational efficiencies and engage clients, customers, consumers, citizens in entirely new, different ways. However, this promise of fundamental transformation comes with many security risks. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center is created for this very purpose to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means cyberspace, geospace, and space, 
and discuss, debate, and define necessary frameworks, structure, processes, tools, and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological superconvergence. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. It is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.